Welcome to Purely Inspired. I'm Teresa and I'd like to welcome you all here. On my podcast, I connect and share with some amazing people from all walks of life about real and authentic stories on life, love and any experiences they have endured. I look forward to introducing some very special guests who will be here to share their stories and also be the voice of those who are never heard or stories that are never told. gentlemen, I would like to introduce a very special guest here with me today who will be joining me from Malaysia. If you will all please give a warm welcome to this amazing soul that I have the honour of sharing with today. She is a dear soul with a beautiful heart and someone I have been blessed to know since we met through the audio application called Clubhouse last year. It is with pleasure that I welcome today Satya Bama, otherwise known as Tia. Namaste, Tia. Namaste, Teresa. I'm so excited to be on your podcast and knowing that I'm your second episode. Like, oh, I'm truly excited. Thank you so much for this opportunity and for inviting me, you know, to be part of your journey as well. I am so truly blessed to know you. Thank you so much for this session. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you, Tia. Before I start, a bit about Tia. Tia currently resides in her hometown, Taiping, where she moved after a life-changing event. She has a powerful story that I was blown away with when I first heard it. Since knowing her, I've been amazed with her determination and strong spirit. In 2007, Tia woke up laying on a hospital bed only to discover that she had been severely injured in a near fatal accident. She was the unwitting passenger who was asleep in a vehicle when the car lost control. I'll let Tia share more about her story on this as she was lucky to be alive following the near fatal accident. Prior to this, the then 38 year old was leading the life of a simple working mum to a five-year-old girl. Her husband at the time was from Portugal and had adored her for her good looks. In the days after the accident, Tia underwent multiple surgeries and was even comatose for a short period. Her body would acquire nerve damage that affect her movements to this day. She would battle memory loss issues that persisted for years. The physical harm she sustained was critical enough and the events that unfolded in her personal life became the hardest scars to heal. Her then husband became estranged, unable to accept that his once lovely bride was no longer as youthful or pleasant to the eye. He asked for a divorce and took custody of their daughter who did not have Malaysian citizenship being born overseas. Tia has spent several years healing and moving forward from this life-changing event and has tapped into her creative talent as a gallery owner, energy healing sound story abstract artist, photographer and entrepreneur. She is the creator of Tia Gem Creations and currently cultivating a sustainable passion 
with microgreens and growing pot-friendly fruits and vegetables, which is her new home business venture. Tia is embracing and celebrating life again, challenging the impossible to impossible baby steps. A survivor of abuse, near-death accident and cancer, living with a damaged skull and BPD. I have often heard Tia share her powerful story in helping others on international stages when she speaks in Clubhouse. In her words, she shares, I celebrate life because life loved me back. Today's impossible dreams are tomorrow's reachable stars. Welcome, Tia. Thank you, Teresa, for that intro. It's so lovely of you. And um, yes, thank you uh, for all those who may be you know, joining in and listening. My journey has been an amazing one. Uh, because uh, let me begin with the accident and how I've evolved from the accident. Prior to the accident, um, I was in public relations, hotel line, a recreation assistant, working with children, developing you know programs for children in the hotel industry, and I was also a fitness instructor. And um, life had been very amazing, but at the same time, it has always been challenging. Because growing up, I had been groomed sexually, you know, and I was always bullied. And I always had that fear, but you know, with my mom being uh, my source of pillar of strength, she taught me meditation from a very young age. So that kind of balanced my life a little bit. But there was also a time in my life, maybe when I was 14 years old, I became very complicated with my life's path because um, I felt like I had to become the man of the house, you know, because dad had left. And uh, I always thought it was better for me to be a born male than a female. You know, and later on in life, I realized that I had a twin brother who passed away, you know, and, uh, and maybe that was the other reason why I always felt incomplete, like puzzled pieces in my life, you know, I was still looking for them. So um, in 2007, I was involved in a memory loss, uh, sorry, in an accident, okay, that actually damaged my skull because my skull split in half. And I went through 16 surgical procedures in about two months. And during that time, I, I also experienced coma. And during that coma journey, I actually traveled to the in between world where I saw things differently so when I came back and I took that breath and gave me life back again I started seeing me people around me and life in a different perspective you know uh, because for me Satya Brahma Satya means truth in Sanskrit all right I felt Satya had died and a new me was born Right, and that is how the name Tia came about. Satya. So I kind of abbreviated my name because I wanted, you know, to my life was already mystical. You know, I was already going on a mystical journey after that incident. You know, in the in between world and seeing people, and you know, I could actually see from above. I could see what was happening on my deathbed. You know, because I saw my grandpa who died when I was walking, stroking my head. My mom is deep in meditation, you know, trying to send me that healing energy, my daughter. And I also saw 
you know people around me who I didn't recognize because I think at that point I was already like going through that memory loss. So my mom had to help me regain my memory, and this is what happened in 2007. I had returned back from UK after staying in UK for six years because I was married and I was living in the UK. My daughter was born in the UK. And I decided to come back because of some incident that happened, where my ex-husband, whom I love, uh, became a bigamist, adultery, and um, I didn't know how to keep that marriage alive because he deviated from that promise that was kept to me. And in spite of still loving him, I needed a break because the relationship became toxic. And I didn't want that to affect my daughter because I grew up in a, I come from a broken home, you know, and I never wanted that for my daughter. So I came back to Malaysia when my daughter was about four years old. That was in two thousand six, yeah, uh, in two thousand six. So my daughter, no, sorry, my daughter was five. But she was born in two thousand one. So I came back in two thousand six. And after about almost a couple of months in Malaysia, uh, in 2007, I met an old dear friend. All right, and I decided to go and have my favorite food in a area which is 45 minutes drive from home called Penang. And Penang asam laksa is my favorite food. It tastes like a soupy, sweet, sour dish with mint and pineapples and onions and noodles and sardines. You know, because I ate. Um, even though being a vegetarian all my life, I, I I still eat fish and eggs from time to time. But you can't vegetarian, right? So um, I had my favorite food, coconut water. But at that time, I told my mom, "Can you please take care of my daughter because I really want to go and eat this food. I miss it so much." And my daughter is the type who sleeps at 7 p.m. By 7, 8 o'clock, she's fast asleep and she wakes up like 6, 7 in the morning. She's a really true sleeper. So with that, my mom was babysitting my daughter, and for some reason that night, I gave my mom my phone. I told her keep the phone if anything happens. Bianca wakes up. Yeah, my daughter's name is Bianca Esperanza, which means white hope. So uh, if Bianca Esperanza wakes up, please call me. I'll come back immediately because it's not too far. We'll drive back immediately. My mom said okay. But one question, being my mom's a very intuitive person, but she's a she's on a very high spiritual level. You know, she has uh, experience nectar. Um, she she teaches you know a lot of meditation. She she's a, she's very evolved in meditation. She can even astral travel. My mom, you know. So with that, my mom asked my friend, or almost like a brother to me, are your breaks okay? And I was a bit puzzled that my mom asked him that question. And he goes, "Yes, yes, Auntie, I just got my car fixed and everything, and you know I'm going to take Tia out for her favorite food and all, and we will be back." And with that, um, we went to Penang. I had my asam laksa and I had my coconut water, which I've not had. But during that time, I felt a bit sick, and I thought, you know what? Maybe because I've not had this food for so long, that. Heat and that you know that that sweet sour and all that different flavors has affected my you know my sensitive stomach. So I thought never mind. So you know and I love dancing. So we went to a near club near that windy uh, uh, Gurney Drive in Penang. And during that time, um, I'm not the person who drinks alcohol. If I do take alcohol, it's you know maybe because it's, the food is special or maybe because I'm celebrating life. 
but I'm, I don't take alcohol. So when I go clubbing, I normally have something called tomato juice and my friends would laugh at me and call me a bloody Virgin Mary and things like that. You know, they would, they would tease me. So, um, but that night, something weird happened and I just felt really sick. And I said, you know, I, I, I just need to go use the loo. And when I came back, uh, we were on the way to the car and I said, pick me up when I go home. But the only thing is, I didn't wake up at home, I woke up in the hospital. And I didn't even realize I was in an accident, right? So, um, I woke up and my mom was beside me. I was highly drunk with morphine. And the first thing I noticed was my leg was bandaged because I needed to use the loo, right? I'm waking up after three days being comatose. So I needed to use the loo, but I could not move. My, my body was still. And then uh, I realized that my head was bandaged up as well and my, there was a big patch on my eye. And I got very hysterical and I started making a lot of noise and the nurse had to come and quiet me down. And that's when I realized I was in an accident. You know, and the doctor asked my mom if I was an alcoholic or if I was a substance abuser. My mom said no, she's not the bad person because she lives a very healthy, clean life. And that's when I realized I was drunk with the intention of rape, right? So my advice here is people, if you have got a friend and you've gone clubbing and you realize that one of the person is drunk, please don't get into that car because what happened to me could happen to you, right? So I was in a car with a drunk driver who actually met with an accident and that day there were other casualties who were also admitted in the hospital not just me right so um i had to go through many surgical procedures i almost went brain damage blind or i could have died in the accident but the universe had bigger powers or bigger plans for me that i'm still alive today you know i'm still here and that is why i say i love life because life loved me back he gave me an opportunity to live life again and to do all the things that I missed out doing, you know? And a chance for me to continue being a mother because I could have died that night. I could have left my daughter motherless, you know? So I'm still here today. And um, the accident had changed my life. It made me a better person. I suffer from a condition called borderline personality disorder means I go through multiple personalities from time to time. So during that time, I went through memory loss, I went through fits, um, I was very irritable, certain sounds would just irritate me and I would start shouting and throwing things around. You know, I also went through a process of hallucination whereby uh, my daughter was taken away from me after the accident and I also went through a divorce during the accident, you know, while I was recovering. So. And there were times I would see my daughter and I would want to reach out to her because I'm missing her and I would start banging my head into the wall because I'm reaching out to my daughter and my mom would have to come and stop me. You know, so I started um, hallucinating. So that was part of what I went through. So the accident happened in 2007 mm-hmm. and um, I'm, I'm actually still recovering. Mm-hmm. Wow, such a powerful story there, Tia. I know you also have shared with me a few other challenges that you have gone through. Do you want to speak a bit more about them? Um, 
as well. Yeah. So, um, in 2007, when I went through the memory loss, um, after the accident that damaged my skull, as I mentioned earlier, um, it was baby steps for me. For me, it's a new beginning, like a new leaf sprouting up from the ground, you know? So, um, I'm glad my mom did not treat me, you know, like a child, but she always spoke to me like an adult. She embraced me, you know, um, she, she allowed me to embrace the things I love and um, she helped me exercise my mind. You know, I would be shouting, I would be screaming, I would be doing really nasty things, you know. And um, so my mom helped me explore my imagination. So she put me into a meditation session where it's from the positive to the ne- negative to the positive. It's more of a silver mind control technique, right? So she put me through that process and uh, that would actually calm me down or she would just come and hug me and she would say everything is okay because part of me was also going through depression because my daughter was taken away from me and you know we could talk about my daughter a little later you know and um i don't know my mom my mom's no more she died of cancer in 2018 mm. you know and uh, she was a great person um she never got angry with me during because when somebody is going through mental illness, you need to learn to deal with them, you know. Uh, and my mom was very, very patient and uh, she never made me feel like I was out of the room. She always made me feel like I was caught in the room. I, I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say here. I never felt alienated. She would always include me in everything, you know, so it made me feel I was part of it, but there was also a process where she had to help me remember who people were because I forgot. The only people I remembered was my mom and my daughter because they were the people I saw when I woke up. Mm-hmm. But all the other people, my mom had to tell me, this is your sister, this is your brother, this is your friend. You know, it wasn't very stupid. In fact, till today, till today, I'm still going through memory lapse or short-term memory loss. You can tell me something right now you ask me in five minutes, I would have forgotten everything. So that is why things must always be visual for me, mm-hmm. um, audible for me. Uh, I don't read much because reading is pointless. I forget really fast. Just like when I was reading your book, mm-hmm. I had to read the chapters over and over again just to you know, grasp the point. It's a beautiful book and I'll talk about it later as well. You know, so it's, um, if you don't mind, I'd like to talk a little bit about my mom here, yeah? So on the 7th of August 2018, I watched my mom die, you know, I watched my mom die, I stayed 10 days with her in the hospital, uh, in the palliative care, and um, I never left her side, but there were times, you know, I, I, I practically gave up everything, I was just there with her because I wanted to be with her, because my sister and my brother couldn't be there with her, and occasionally I had friends who come and visit her you know my dear friends from school you know and um, and I I only gave my mom the very best of my time and myself but there were times I felt really hurt because when my mom did speak you know she became very frail I could barely hear her she was really weak um, 
she was like pull my hand and said you know i'm so glad you're here you know just talk to me she would ask where's this person where's that person because she was also missing her children you know my brother and my sister but at times i felt really angry because i felt like she didn't appreciate me being around her see teresa what happened was i failed to put myself in my mother's shoe we 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 tend to forget to do that sometimes because everybody has got feelings everybody goes through a phase in life but sometimes we forget that people are human too you know so this is a question i constantly ask myself what is it to be human you know so i had said something to my mom that particular day you know and i'm like i'm here for you but you don't seem to appreciate me you know and that was when my mom teared up and seven hours later she was on a life support machine so i didn't get to tell my mom hey mom i love you because she was already going in that stage where her eyes dilated it turned black you know she was already losing herself and i sat down with regret so before she really went i i kind of held her hand right and i said i will fulfill your last request the one good thing i did was i asked my mom the day before if you had one wish right now what would it be she said i want to see bianca and i want to go to india near mount abu rajasthan where the spiritual university where my mom was supposed with the brahma kumaris or the raja yoga center you know she said take me back home scatter my head. i don't want to be, i i don't want to go through the traditional indian uh, burial ceremony i want my ashes to be cremated uh, i want to be cremated and i want my ashes to be dispersed in the air because i want to be an angel you know so those were little things she said to me and i fulfilled a request and i actually did a painting based on I collected all the stuff I took from the hospital and I made an artwork which I would share with you later to a picture maybe you know and um and I was so glad I did that because despite the day after we did that and what I said to her made my mom sad and I think that sadness kind of um depressed her and that kind of I don't know it put her through a stage where I don't think she could cope anymore and I just told my mom if you have to go mom just go enough suffering just go i'm here for you just go that was the last thing i told her but i never said mom i love you i'm going to miss you you know so my advice to everyone out there you know all of us have got a different kind of mom you know some of us have got moms who are not there for us just like i'm not there for my daughter maybe this is how my daughter feels about me you know that i've, I've never been there for her but my mom she was always there for me maybe maybe nobody else was there for me but my mom was always there supporting me and doing you know everything with me you know so love your mom whether your mom is good bad evil or she may be serving a life sentence in prison you know mom is mom mm-hmm. remember the mom gave birth to you the mom took care of you when you were sick you know but maybe along the way your mom went through a certain trauma that made her you know divert away so no matter how mean your mom has been to you or how loving she's been to you always pick up that call mm-hmm. and just say mom you may not be close to me but i want you to know that i still love you mm-hmm. because one day your mom may be gone 
and when your mom goes you cannot say those words you may want to have a closure with your mom and this is the same thing i feel with my daughter i keep my phone on every night you know just so that if she calls me just to talk to me because i've not heard from her since 2019 she's not spoken to me because i think she's angry with me after my mom died it's like she shut her world off to me as well you know so for me is if you have a mom just adore your mom no matter good or bad mom is mom you know so they were there part of our journey they you know they brought us into this world so um yeah i i miss my mom but sometimes i still feel my mom is here with me you know so when i play the tibetan bowls and stuff i think of her because she introduced me to it you know so tracer this is the journey i had to endure you know my ma- my life basically has been a very painful depressing uncertain kind of journey but because of meditation that she taught me it always kept me strong positive and happy so i've learned how to turn the negativity that surrounds me all the negative evil vibe that surrounds me into something positive and that is why when you talk to me and you see me despite what obstacles i go through in life i'm happy you know i'm always happy because we live once we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow so i tell people don't worry about yesterday don't worry about tomorrow you got now make now happy now you smile now you do all the things you want to do because when you you may not wake up tomorrow to do those things so that is why i have chosen to live one day at a time the minute i wake up teresa i give myself a hug and i tell myself i love me because i celebrate life because life loves me back because you know no one else is going to hug me and love me you got to learn to love yourself you got to learn to learn that self worth it's so important because you have yourself you know no one else can love you that the way you could love yourself exactly very strong message there and a very strong message of gratitude you know and um i write it in my book as well you know when you wake up always say thank you and just know that you know we open our eyes and take our first breath and someone takes their last so it's very very important that we always remember to have a humble heart and be grateful tia i know you're a very creative soul and you've spoken about a, a, a bit about your healing journey can you tell me a bit more about tia gem creations so what's behind the mystique or the mystical tia <laughs> okay yes um tia gem creations started in 2009 um when i was recovering from my um, head injury and my um, so called condition that i was labeled with okay mental illness um so um the, uh, because of nerve damage uh, because of nerve damage um i couldn't move three fingers uh the last three fingers on my right hand they were very very stiff and you know it hurt me a lot but i was determined to actually um 
do something creative because I'm creative. So like I I can't sit even from those days when I was active and alive and not in an accident. I can't sit down in one place and do nothing. If you ask my work colleagues, they go like Tia is all over the place. She's always walking. You can see her everywhere. You know, I just could not. I could not do a desk job. I can't sit down. I had to do, and that's why I became a recreation officer. Why? Because I could walk around the hotels. I could work with. I work with children. Why? Yeah. Because children need your energy. They need to be alive. And I love working with kids because it kept me like childlike. You know, so uh, I get very bored if I have to sit in one place. So. I could not sit in one place, even though I was going through, you know, whatever I was going through. I needed to do something. So uh, in 2008, actually, I started card making because I could not even pick the scissors to cut. Yeah. It would hurt me that much. So, um, so my first attempt was to take the scissors and cut papers. So I started making, you know, cards like this, creative cards. Mm-hmm. Where I need to cut things, cut papers, cut ribbons, and I couldn't even tie a ribbon. Mm. I could not even tie a ribbon. It was all like baby steps for me, you know. So I would, I would do my card with ribbons. I would tie ribbons around my cards because those were all like uh, therapy for me, physiotherapy for me, right? So um, I started making cards, and I started selling my cards to the hospital staff itself. I would take my cards to the hospital ground, and I would sell it to the doctors, and the doctors would support me and buy my cards. And then I was also earning some money. Yes. And then I realized, you know, life is challenging. Life has got directions for you to take. You can either take the path that is negative or the path that's positive, the path that's right or the path that's wrong. Life is about making choices, right? What choices you make determines who you are as a person. It precedes you to be the person you are. So I chose to be active. I chose to be hardworking. I chose to heal because why? I had a daughter out there who who still needed me. So I would say my daughter was actually my motivator and my strength to heal because if I had not had my daughter, I don't think I would have had a reason. Because everything was taken away from me. Of course, I had my mom with me. She was guiding me all along, like a little guardian angel. But my daughter was also my biggest kind of pillar of support because we would go on Skype. She was already taken away from me in two thousand eight when I had after the accident. So um, what happened was we would have Skype conversations. But I could not say much with her. The reason, the minute I got very personal with her, I could hear my ex saying, "Okay, Bianca, time to go. Tell mommy bye bye." You know, so I could never get really personal with her because he was also listening to the conversation from time to time. So I didn't really have my privacy moment with her. But I still appreciated the fact that I could speak to her and I could see her. And she would sing for me. She would talk. She was really good at writing poems from a really young age. And I would love to read a poem later when we talk about my daughter. Okay, so um, so uh, I went through this divorce. Um, in two thousand and seven, I received my letter right after my fifth skull surgery because I went through six head surgeries, four knee surgeries. I lost all my tooth. I lost six of my tooth, so I wear dentures. Okay, they all broke. They crushed, broke, and they get nerve damage. So I started making cards 
And in this process of making cuts, I was also slowly healing myself, right? And then in 2009, uh, friends got together and gave me a, a, a camera, mm-hmm. okay? I was given a camera, a Canon camera, and with that, I started seeing the world in a different perspective because when I saw the world with my naked eye after the accident, mm. everything was evil and cruel and bad and I hated even going out of the house. I would just stay in the house because I felt safe. No one was going to hurt me. You know, friends are hurting me, family is hurting me, people are hurting me. I got sick of people hurting me all the time because I deserve better. I'm still human, I still got feelings, right? But no one seemed to understand how Tia was feeling. So I didn't want to be selfish, so I just stayed home. But I had a camera, so I was just taking, you know, pictures of the sunset, pictures of the sunrise, you know, pictures of the flowers, or the, you know, everything nearby my house. But then I realized when I put the lens through my eye, I saw the world through the lens in a different perspective. Suddenly, the world was beautiful. It was still, it was quiet, it was calm. And I saw the beauty through the lens and that made me fall in love with photography. So I'm a self-taught photographer and I'm really proud to say that a couple of my art pieces have been exhibited in France. Um, I was awarded by the Mayor of Staffordshire in UK, in Burton, uh, Burton upon Trent, in an open, you know, photography competition. Mm-hmm. And uh, two of my pictures are also in the US. I think in Philadelphia, Astra Care, mm-hmm. in the Healing Center. So these are all journey that I've endured along the way. And that is why I'm really proud of my journey because, as I said earlier, the universe had bigger plans for me. I could have died. You know, I could have gone brain damaged, I could have gone blind, but life had a bigger, you know, picture for me. So, um, and then I, uh, I realized that photography was one, you know, and I got into photography, I had my card making, and that's how Tia Gem Creations was born. Tia is my name, mm-hmm. Gem, because my daughter is also a very creative little girl. She was writing poems, she was, you know, drawing all the anime, manga things and all. And uh, so she was my gem. Mm. So Tia Gem. Tia and Gem together. That's my daughter and me. Creations because she was creating her own journey, her own artistic side. And I was doing my own artistic side. So that's how Tia Gem Creation was born in 2008. In 2009, I ventured into photography. In 2010, an amazing man, politician, Dr. Ho Cheng Wing. He gave me my first DSLR camera and that was put in the local papers. Alright, after he saw a picture that I took of the hospital and he asked my mom, at that time I was in the UK with my daughter because a TV company uh, called Marise Kaba through a program called, uh, it was during the Ramadan month where Azmin Nawawi actually surprised me with a ticket to see my daughter. You know, so that's on YouTube actually, that whole video is on YouTube. So, um, Dato Ho Chengin presented me with my camera and uh, that started my journey as a photographer. And uh, when I went to UK, I got to take my daughter's picture using my camera. And then in 2011, 
I made my first trip. Even when my doctor said, you know, because of your memory loss and all, you cannot go out of the country. I said, and I like things. When somebody says no, you can't do it. Even more, I want to do because I like that challenge. You know, so I went to India uh, for four months, right, with a backpack with all that body ache and nerve damage and memory loss. I was carrying a big backpack which was actually bigger than me. You know. Um, I went for four months and I traveled across northern India, and I went to Punjab. And when I went to Punjab, this family called Ahuja, they are actually wedding photographers. Um, my friend who invited me, his name is Hani Ahuja. He invited me to his home in Patiala, and he taught me manual photography. So for two whole weeks, I spent with him. I learned manual photography, and that's how I learned using my DSLR camera. And certain pictures that I took were awarded. So today, it's still getting the award because it's a beautiful picture I took of a sunrise. Mm-hmm. All right. And uh, from that photography journey, in 2012, uh, while I was in the UK, I met this medium. Mm-hmm. All right. And this medium, he basically told me in Oxford. He told me, Tia. I'm sorry. He just said there's this Asian girl sitting at the back, and of course there was somebody writing out all the messages the medium was getting. So this medium asked me about my connection with、uh, Tibet. He asked me my connection with、uh, a white cat, and he asked me a connection with、um, creating stuff with my hands. And that time I was already doing card making,、mm-hmm. right? But he said, "No, your hands." Are going to be your bread and butter. You are going to create things that you're going to touch people's heart. I didn't understand what he said. So in 2012, when my daughter visited me,、uh, as I told you earlier on, I was going through hallucinations from time to time.、Mm-hmm. Uh, this was now again a whole new journey for me. Okay,、um, I woke up. I sleepwalk. And I started painting stuff. And during that particular session, I would actually not be in my body. I would not be in my surroundings. I was actually in a different portal, in a different realm, different universe. And I don't speak Chinese. I don't speak Italian. But my daughter did a recording. Sadly, I don't have that video at the moment.、Um, and my mom, my daughter was trying to wake me up. My my mom said, "Stop." She's not herself right now. She's in a different. She's a different person right now. Okay, so let's just observe her. What I did was I did a beautiful painting. I didn't even know I did the painting. And what I do is when I do my painting, I write little notes. All right, little notes, and then I went back to sleep. So when I woke up, my daughter calls me and she says, "Mom, I need to show you something." And she takes me to the room. And she goes, Mom, look at this! Isn't this beautiful? I'm like, Oh my God, Bianca! I didn't know you painted so well. Where did you get all the paint and all from? And she goes, Mom, this is your work. I said, Hey, I don't paint. I failed art in school. She goes, Mom, you painted this. These are your notes. And then she showed me the video she took. And guess what? I was singing an Italian song, and I was speaking in Chinese. I'm like, this is not me. Then my mom said and explained to me about astral traveling and being in a different portal. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And what my daughter did was she submitted my artwork 
to something called Fine Art America, mm-hmm. right? And guess what? I actually won the best abstract art for that so-called competition, mm-hmm. and I was given a certificate. And I'm like, damn, I cannot be an artist, right? And that's how my art journey started. Mm-hmm. All right, my art journey started, and um, that's how I evolved as an artist, you know. And um, later on. I don't know if you've heard of this portal called Google Plus. Google Plus used to be a really great platform, but sadly they took it down. I think in 2017 or 2016, I'm not sure. I wish they never did because in that particular platform, I met amazing artists, photographers. You know, they had different routes to go into, and you could share your pictures. And I met a couple of amazing artists, and there I met one lady called Barbara. Senko Minesco, I'm not sure how you pronounce the name, but she was from Ohio. She bought six of my paintings. But when she bought six of my paintings, that was me hitting the jackpot because US dollars in Malaysian currency is times four. So two thousand US dollars times times two uh, four. Oh, it's almost close. I was almost close to nine thousand Malaysian ringgit. Money I've never seen for a very long time, right? So that's how Metamorphosis Art Gallery started. I decided to open a small gallery for myself because this is money that came through my artwork. So I recycled that money and I opened up a small gallery, and that's what you see on my screen now. Yeah. So with that said, Metamorphosis Art Gallery was born in 2015. Mm-hmm. And uh, I slowly started learning art. You know, I learned I learned art techniques, so on and so forth. And then, of course, um, pandemic hit in 2020. So in 2019, I was in an amazing platform with the. Um, I went to India first because I had to go, uh, you know, scatter my mom's ashes. But there, I met a friend. Um, and uh, Suvay Mathur, uh, he's got this really nice uh, retreat center in Rishikesh in a small town called Tengoli. So he invited me to come and spend some time at this place. He said, you can have a whole place to yourself. And uh, that's when I was actually still in depression because my mom had passed away. I had just scattered her ashes and I was in Himachal Pradesh. All right, I went to Himachal Pradesh first and um, I know you're going to ask me about the Tibetan bowls, but I want to share with you how I got into Tibetan bowls a little later. Let me finish this particular story about the creating art thing. And I went to uh, Himachal Pradesh. I went to a beautiful place called Macquarie Gorge, where I got my Tibetan bowls. Then I went to Rishikesh, where I met Suvir Mathur. And in Suvir Mathur's place, every morning when I woke up, I saw the most Beautiful, tranquil scene, which was the Himalayan mountains covered in little peaks of snow. You know, yeah. and the air was so fresh. You know, uh, and it was such a beautiful place. I found a bit of myself, like all the missing pieces were coming together. I needed to be there because there's no phone connection, there's no phone signal. I had to walk two kilometers just to get one bar of phone signal. So I said, you know what? I'm not going to use my phone. I'm just going to embrace myself. I'm going to embrace the beauty that surrounds me, 
and I'm going to write. I'm going to, you know, you know just embrace the whole uh, tranquility I was feeling in my soul. I was missing my mom, yes. I was missing my daughter, yes. But I started painting again. So four, uh, three or four of my paintings, I don't remember how many pieces I did, is actually at my friend's Suwer Mato's gallery. Mm-hmm. So now my artwork, Suwer Mato actually made me an international artist because my artwork now hangs in this retreat center, right? And I'm not only an international photographer because of all the awards I got, I'm also an international artist now because I've got my artwork hanging in my friend's gallery in his retreat center, you know. And when I came back from that, I was given an opportunity to actually showcase my artwork at a very prestigious place in Kuala Lumpur called the Textile National Museum of Indonesia. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, my art pieces were displayed in the Textile Museum. And what's special about my art history is that when I do my art, I just don't do an art piece. I put on music, I go with the flow of the music, I start swaying and moving, and I start dancing and painting. And that is why I tell myself the healing energy story artist. Because all my artwork actually comes with a story. Like how I told you, I wrote little notes. So I elaborate on that. So from all the dark journey, you know, we all have a dark part in our life, but I always end it with a positive note so that somebody could say, if she did that, I could do it. If she has gone through so much, but she found this passion where she dances and she paints and she puts, you know, her, her sadness into a, onto a canvas, and then she writes a story which ends with such a beautiful note, means she's going through that healing process. Because I believe in one thing, Teresa. When my grandpa died when I was 14, he shared a very beautiful quote with me. Mm. This quote says, Today's impossible dreams are tomorrow's reachable stars. Mm. And this is the advice my grandpa gave me. Always reach for the highest star, no matter how difficult or how many obstacles in life you have to go through. Never ever give up. Always strive to reach for that higher star. And when you touch that higher star, remember you're not a star yet. You still need to work hard, you know, because there's so much to accomplish in life. And here, I just want to quickly share, I used to have a math tuition teacher when I was 14, right? And his name was Brian something. He was a school teacher, but he came to our, my home to teach me math because that was my weak subject, right? And he shared this beautiful quote with me. Life is made out of a number of knots. Each time you undo a knot, remember that knot is undone, yes, but there'll be more knots to follow in your life's journey. The more knots you undo, it's an achievement, yes, but the struggles will still be there. And it's not easy to undo a knot. You need to be patient, you need to have perseverance, you need to be determined. And this is where your self-control comes in so you don't get angry and frustrated, you 
education because these are all life values so my uh, math teacher left me with such a beautiful quote that it became a motto in my life life is a number of knots each time you undo a knot there'll be more knots to undo don't give up and then weeks after he shared that with me my grandpa before passing away because he was really very close to me as well because he stayed with us he was a good cook by the way my grandpa you know and he shared this beautiful quote with me so in a, in a in a in a in a short space of time two amazing people you know who taught me so much about life you know made me realize that life is a struggle in life you need to have all those virtues and qualities in order to make it to the next stage in life because life is not a bed of roses it's filled with thorns and obstacles that's my creative journey Teresa and how I evolved as an artist such a, um, a powerful story and so much wisdom there that you're sharing with everyone today Tia and um what a golden nuggets there. I hope people take on board and listen to as well. I know we have spoken a bit about the Tibetan bowls. If you want to share a bit, because that's become um, very much a big part of your healing journey and, and where you are now. Mm. Um, so yeah, how I got into Tibetan gold is my mom again. You know, my mom has left me with so much gems. And that is why if you see in my hands, I've got so much gems on my hands because it's also part of, I believe in them, yeah? So um, Tibetan gold, like I said, in 2018, actually I got to know about Tibetan gold the very first time in 2017 uh, when my mom used to listen to it because she was you know, diagnosed with cancer and she would listen to Tibetan gold because it was kind of healing her, the vibrations, you know, and um, I would try, you know, certain noises would irritate me because, you know, uh, one thing I failed to mention, Teresa, is when I when I had this accident, right, mm-hmm. uh, my skull is damaged and my nerves are damaged. The even the front lobe where your emotions are controlled, mm-hmm. it's hollow for me. I don't have any nerves in there. It's it's hollow. I have no control over my emotions. If I start crying. I can go on crying for like 10 hours and I would need a jab to stop me crying. Mm. I would get really, you know, um, I would become a nightmare. And then I would become, I have a friend who calls me, oh my God, if Tia gets upset, she becomes Mrs. Incredible Help. Don't get her angry. You know, I had a really nasty temper, but again, through meditation, I'm so calm and peaceful now that I walk away from any arguments. So my mom, I went into the room one day after after months of listening to my mom playing this debating role. So I go into her room and I said, Mom, can I talk to you? And uh, I goes, the sound you're always listening to, it, it comes through my room. And she got really scared because she thought I was upset because she knows certain sounds can irritate me. Mm. You know, like even like meowing of a cat or barking of a dog really get me upset. You know, because I can't take the sound because it's really a little in my head. So, mm. and she goes, she quickly went with a very frail voice and she was in bed sick. She goes, oh, I'm sorry, am I 
Am I disturbing you? I will turn it off. I said, no, mom, let me finish. I want to sit down here with you and I want to listen to this beautiful sound you're listening to. My mom held my hand and was like, you want to listen to this with me? And I'm like, yes, mom, it's it's helping me sleep because I realized my sleep pattern had improved. Because Tracer, for years, for almost eight years, my sleep pattern was 15 to 22 hours a week. Let me repeat that, 15 to 22 hours a week. There are days I would not sleep for three to four days and I would always think there's a sleep, non-sleeping competition I could get into because I would beat the surprise and I would make a lot of money because I had the ability to not sleep, right? Because I had terrible insomnic syndrome. And I told my mom, no, I love the song you're listening to and I want to listen to it with you. And when you put it, put it louder because the vibration is actually healing me as well. Oh God, the joy on my mom's face. <laughs> it's priceless. I, I can't put it into words. It's priceless. So and that's when I realized I want to buy my mom a Tibetan bowl, right? So because I had lost my job after the accident, no one would employ me because I carry a card called OKU, meaning a card for disabled people, right? And most places in Malaysia would not employ somebody with an OKU card. Right? So that was all the disadvantages I had to go through. So I bought my mom this funny looking bowl, which you can see because we are on Zoom, right? So I I I kind of said, Mom, I got something for your birthday and I want to present it to you and I know you're going to love it. So she of course she couldn't open because her hands were so weak. So I said, I'll open it for you, okay? It just arrived two days before her birthday. Mm. So her birthday was on the 12th of November and mine's on the 17th of November. So I unpacked the package and she smiled. She goes, Tibetan bowl. I'm like, yes, mom, I got you a Tibetan bowl. I hope you like it. She goes, play for me because I don't have to and play for me. So I took the, the striker that they gave me and I, and I kind of sounded it for her. And the first remark was, what is this? What is this? See, because I I bought what I could afford. So I bought the cheapest Asian bowl I could find. And this is a Chinese machine-made bowl. So for those of you out there, you want to get a Tibetan bowl for yourself, please don't buy it online because It's so important when you choose a Tibetan bowl, the first strike, it has to resonate with your soul. It has to vibrate into your body because you're aligning your chakras right there. And you want that bowl to sing for you. If the bowl doesn't sing for you, it's not the bowl for you, right? So, and I realized that my mom did not appreciate what I got her because I myself didn't like the sound of it because I didn't know what a Tibetan bowl needs to sound like and I didn't know that I had to be going through many many bowls to not find a bowl that sang for me, right? So this is how India trip comes into the scene, right? So the Tibetan bowl was there from time to time. My mom would say, bring the Tibetan bowl and I would just try to go to the 
and we simply YouTube. Okay, <laughs> so she went back to YouTube because YouTube had the beautiful sound. So in 2018, when I, you know, made that trip to India to do her last rites, her last request, I went to visit my friend. Okay, um, Mandeep. Uh, I went to visit, uh, see my friend Mandeep Sharma. And he was a uh, Mandeep Verma. Sorry, he's a beautiful, talented artist. You know, I stayed with his family. His family is so amazing. You know, in fact, I want to go and visit them again. They adopted me like. A daughter and a sister, and I celebrated my birthday. Although I was missing my mom, but this family made me feel like I was part of a family, and I celebrated my birthday with them. All right, and then um, Mandeep took me to a place called Metroid Gonch because I kept telling him about Tibetan bulls, and Metroid Gonch is a Philip Saunders Scottish, I think. Metroid Gonch is a place where you get all these Tibetan monks in exile place for them, right? So I went to so many shops, and then I found this place, this Buddhist monk, and uh, he was actually making the bowls. So the bowl that you heard me play in Club House and all, that was a bowl that was specially done for me. It was ten pounded. You got all these Tibetan inscriptions, and that is for my heart chakra. And then I got another bowl which I bought from his brother's shop, right? And that is for my solar plexus. So, would you believe it? I went. It took me four hours. I went through almost twenty-five, thirty-five bowls before I smiled at that one bowl that actually sang for me. It made me so happy, and I said, "This is the one I want to buy." So, people out there who's listening, if you want to invest in a Tibetan bowl, you need to be at a place where you can choose the bowl that sings for you. Please don't buy it online because buying it online is just like, "Hey, I got a Tibetan bowl in my house," but that might not be the right bowl for you. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's how I evolved with Tibetan bowl, and ever since then, I. And you know, I wish my mom was alive because we could both enjoy this and do meditation together. But she's not here, so whenever I play the Tibetan bowl, sometimes I tear because you know I'm so glad that my mom shared this beautiful piece of instrument with me. It's healed me in so many ways, and um, you know I'm not a Buddhist, but um, I listen to a lot of Buddhist chants because I find it very, you know, calming. It also heals me. So there's this certain prayer that I do with my Tibetan bowl. It's called Tiyata O, and um, yeah, I, I will do it for you later. I'll, I'll share that with you later. So that's how I got my Tibetan bowl, and it's one of the most beautiful gifts my mom shared with me before she died. If it was not for my mom, I wouldn't have discovered. The healing sounds of Tibetan music. Now, there's one question. I know. Excuse me. We've spoken about what's most important to you. Okay. What's most important to me, Teresa, is my daughter. There are many things that are important to me, like building my financial status, building this new 
business startup that I just started, you know, New Year's Day when I manifested abundance. But the one thing that's important to me is my daughter. I have gone through so many sad moments, especially during this pandemic. I've lost over 35 people I know through pandemic since 2020, even now, you know. So um, the dynamic, let me speak here a little bit about the coronavirus and why, you know, I say my daughter's important to me. The dynamic nature of this coronavirus pandemic that has hit us all so severely and badly. Some of us have lost our homes, jobs. I lost my job too. You know, I had no earnings for almost two years. I was struggling. That's how I got into my gardening because I was afraid of food shortage. So I wanted to be sustainable. So I started intermittent fasting where I only ate one meal a day, you know. So I realized going holistic, living within my means was important something I adapted and now I can even go on without eating I just drink water I'm fine I can just eat one meal a day and I do a 12 to 16 hours intermittent fasting and that also helped with my cancer you know you know I realized um, the one thing that totally makes me uh, miserable is actually the fact that I don't know what my daughter is going to do like I said earlier, since 2019, I've not heard from her. She has decided to cut me off. She has taken me off Facebook, WhatsApp. I've, I've written to my ex many letters asking how she was. He just said she's okay. But, you know, occasionally after much pleading and begging, and he would send me a picture or two. But he never tells me how her health is as a mother. Even though I, she's not felt that maternal love with me because she was separated and taken away from me, you know, at a very young age, from the age of 8 to the age of 12. She's 21 now. She has not had her mom with her, right? So I don't, I don't blame her if she doesn't love me or she doesn't want me because she has not had the ability to journey life with me. And even at that time when she was with me, I keep forgetting she's a growing teenager. I still keep, because of my condition, I keep thinking she's that child I lost when she was eight years old. So I want to do with her all the things I want to do with my child, not with my teenage daughter. You get where I'm coming from? So I think part of me got my daughter away from me because maybe she got tired of me treating her like a child and not like an adult because I remember the last time she came she goes like mom I'm not a child anymore mm. you know I'm, an, I, I'm a teenager like I'm not your baby anymore and she had a boyfriend so she wanted me to treat her like an adult but I couldn't you know I couldn't fathom the fact that she is a teenager because to me in my memory because of I mean if you ask me how old I am I'm 15 years old even though I'm 53 I'm 15 years old because of my accident. I was, you know, I was reborn. So I feel like a teenager myself. I even look like one, you know. So with that said, I keep forgetting my daughter has evolved. She's going into womanhood and she's not a baby anymore. And I want to watch cartoons with her when she comes. You know, can you believe that? Watching cartoons with her. 
And I know she used to hate that, but just to make me happy, she would sit and watch it with me, right? Yeah. So, so the I mean, so you know, with with my daughter, I always thought I had this wonderful relationship with her because she's my princess, you know. Uh, till she turned fifteen and she had a boyfriend from school, and um, she changed. You know, people change. You don't expect them to stay the same all the time. People do evolve and change, but I didn't realize that. You know, so the mother-daughter relationship had kind of deteriorated. Mm-hmm. That bridges, the bridge was slowly breaking, and honestly, I didn't know how to mend it because she was also not helping me. You know, to, to to come to get me back to my senses. Like, hey, mom, I'm not a child. I want you to treat me like an adult. And I think she was also getting upset with me, right? So it's a there is so many powers we can have to change the world and things around us. You know, I always hope my daughter and I would have an amazing relationship based on you know both of us coming from a different home. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole world. You know, the whole world changed for me with that silent treatment for my daughter that began that when she left the airport to go back to UK. You know, and there was a time she came to see her grandma to just pay respects. And I think knowing that she's lost her grandma, also her pillar of support, and knowing that I can't come to the UK all the time, and that was the other reason why she, you know, slowly distanced herself from me. So. The thing is, Teresa, I am so invisible to so many people, you know. And I think sometimes I'm happy being invisible, you know, because I have a lot of care and love in my soul for people, not just my daughter, but for everybody I meet, you know. But I hope, I really, truly hope, one day my daughter acknowledges me, my presence. She embraces me again, and I would be allowed to be in her life. And that would be a beautiful moment for me. It'd be like I, you know, I've struck the jackpot. Mm. You know, I wonder with this pandemic if she's okay. I have no access to her, as I said earlier. You know, I wish her relationship and mine was not so toxic. It saddens me to even use the word toxic because that was not how I pictured for me to have a relationship with my daughter. She's my life. My daughter is my life, but. Right now, my life is missing from me. You know, she's so far away from me because she lives in the UK. You know, and perhaps it was also the lack of you know maternal warmth and the validation between us, and you know that drifted her further and further away from me. I mean, if only Tracer, she knew how much I loved her and how much I miss her. Even looking at her picture, I would tear. Speaking about her, just mentioning her name would make me sad because I wish she knew how much I miss her and how much I just want to hug her and hold her in my arms again. You know, but sadly, I will never understand the distance she chose to, you know, make apparent between the two of us and the experience based on the pattern of connection. I, I sincerely hope she still has some. Love for me in the corner of her soul, but she thinks of me from time to time. You know, maybe she doesn't know how to say it to me, but I hope she looks at my picture and she goes like, "If only I knew what to say to my mom." Even that thought would make me happy. You know, so um, I just every day I hope she stays safe. You know, she's okay. 
she's not sick from the pandemic because I know now in UK they're encouraging kids to go back to school without the mask and I think that's the worst thing to do because the virus is still out there you still need to protect yourself you know so I just wanted to know like hey Bianca I love you I miss you all that I have is yours whatever I'm doing now in life is I hope I can leave something behind to you my art soap making or whatever it is I'm doing you know please don't hate me You know, please don't hate me because you're so important in my life. Forgive my mistakes. I know I've done a lot. Forgive my mistakes. Um, I don't know. If she, I hope she hears this eventually. You know, and uh, Teresa, if you'd allow me, I want to share a beautiful poem my daughter wrote me. You know, when I came out of. So yeah, now that we're back, uh, thank you for the connection back. Thank you, universe. So um, I would say the um, besides my daughter being important to me because she's part and parcel of my life, mm-hmm. there are few virtues that are also important to me because that's what makes who Tia is. And one is tolerance. Because of my condition, I can very quickly become angry. Like a friend of mine said, Tia is like Mrs. Incredible Hulk. But with meditation and all, I've learned how to stay calm with the Tibetan bowl because it's so healing and you know, regenerating for my soul. You know, you know, I've always, I'm a person, Teresa, I watch a lot of dark documentaries, a lot of dark documentaries because living with mental illness, I want to understand other people around the world who also live with the same condition as I do, let it be bipolar, schizophrenia, whatever it is, it's still a mental illness, right? And it's so underestimated because people really don't take time to understand people with mental illness, you know? So um, for me, tolerance is something I learned. And also my mom, again, she, you know, always taught me to be patient. So, um, you know, what, when, how, why, when, these are questions we always ask myself. And I, when I watch all these documentaries, I'm like, oh my God, why did this person kill his mom? Why, why is he in prison? Why are the serial killers? We've got the same condition. Why am I not behind bars? Why am I not serving a life sentence? Or why am I not, you know, a life without parole I'm here I'm trying to build a community I'm trying to give my love to the community what makes me different tolerance motivation you know the fact that my mom taught me meditation all this heals my soul so you know I, I really thank my mom for everything she did for me you know so um, these are all the questions that I ask myself sometimes because the power of tolerance I don't think everyone has it and it's not easy to cultivate power of tolerance you know we all want to do that but sometimes due to circumstances or situations we are in we can lose it so quickly you know we get angry we start cursing we start swearing we start fighting we start arguing and this is all so negative you know the vibe is just not gelling with me at the moment you know so every soul is different tracer you know unique and it has its own personality and qualities to handle in a given situation differently based on individuals life path you know i would say mm-hmm. and how an individual would approach that situation 
So whatever the situation may be, I have chosen to practice patience, tolerance, apply and handle every situation with care and caution. Because I remember telling you this three days ago, what we say is so important. You know, some I'm not very tactful. I can say things that can hurt people like I did with my mom and I regret that to today. I could have given her a hug and said, Mom, I love you. Rather than saying like, oh, you're never here for me. You know, you don't really value me. These were not things I needed to tell someone on a dying bed. You know what I mean? So the words we use is so important. You know, and with that, I've learned that how much tolerance should I have? How much tolerance should I cultivate? I've asked this question so many times in my life. So many sad, eventful things that has happened in my life since 2007. You know, the day my life changed with an accident, the divorce, losing my daughter due to immigration law. Because in Malaysia, we're not allowed to have dual nationalities, all these little red tape. I won't say little, but big, huge red tapes. You know, this question and challenges I face, it's a really deep one. If I say I have been tolerating the adversities, obstacles and circumstances I face from such and such a time with the pandemic COVID-19, you know, that's hit this universe, how do I react? You know, how do I cope? I'm human. I have feelings, I have emotions, I get sad, I get angry, you know. But I don't have the power to control what's going on in the world. I don't have the power to change how what someone does or how someone reacts but I have the power to be patient I have the power to be calm I have the power to stay in balance I have the power to love myself when no one else would you know so with all that said you know I have no power to also control obstacles and devastations that I may go through because it's part and parcel of my life's journey but I need to tackle them I need to face them you know, and I need to deal with them as it comes. So with that said, you know, I'm glad that um, I have this driving force in my life, which is motivation. I'm motivated, I'm determined, and I think sometimes my self-confidence is over and I need to bring myself down because having too much self-confidence is also dangerous because I'm not egoistical. You know, but I I just feel like no one else is going to say, Hey, Teresa, you look beautiful today. But you need to look at me in the mirror and say like, you know what, I look good today. I'm going to change my hair a little bit today. You know why? Because these are all values we put to ourselves. We need to learn to embrace and love ourselves. So these are the few things that are important to me. Self-confidence for me is the foundation of all my success all my achievements. Self-confidence helps me to look me from deep within, you know. It helps me look at situations, how to tackle it, the problems, the, the, the consequences that I face, you know. Trust me, I have a lot to let go, I have a lot to learn because every day for me, it's a learning process. I'm not perfect. I don't think anyone is. You know, so with that said, you know, self-confidence for me is like a plant. You know, I love my plants out there because when I when I put a when I put the soil on the ground and I plant the seed, 
I need to care for it. I need to water it. I need to give it enough sunshine. Because if I don't do that, it's neglect. The plant will die. I would not get my food because I'm sustaining myself with the food I grow. You know, it goes into the kitchen and into my tummy. Yum yum. You know, but if I neglect my garden, you know, I'm not going to get the harvest. Just like if I neglect myself, I'm not going to see the, you know. The fruit that's growing, you know, and how I'm going to, you know, grow from that. How I venture into different things. How I evolve. So I think it's really important, you know, to to not dive so much in the inferiority complexes that we all have, but we dive into the abilities and possibilities that we can give out, not just for ourselves but the person beside us. You know. So with that said. I want to share a poem that my daughter wrote me when I had my accident. Okay. Um, let me just. Uh, here it is. Okay. My daughter wrote this poem when she was five and a half years old. Okay. She was in the hospital with me. She would come into the hospital every morning, and you know, some, even if she was one second late. The doctor, the patient next to me was like, "Isn't your doctor coming today?" Because my mom was a social worker in the hospital, so she went to the palliative care and she took them on their last journey to meditation, like you know, a tranquil journey for them. So she would work from ten to six. So among all the patients in the hospital warded, I was the most privileged one. You know why? Because my daughter would be with me from ten o'clock to six o'clock, whereas all other patients had visiting hours. So, because of all the questions being asked, they actually had to put me in a in a different area so that I could. My daughter was so well behaved; she was so quiet. Nobody would even know she's there. And when it was visiting time, she would leave my bed and she would go to the patient next, and she'd go, "Hello, how are you? Are you getting well? Are you all right?" And on her birthday. I promised her to take her somewhere to a place called Langkawi, but since today I've not taken her to a place called Langkawi. It's still my dream to take her there, you know. Um, so on her birthday, she walked into the hospital ward with a beautiful Princess Bella outfit from Beauty and the Beast. She was so beautiful, and everybody was admiring her because she's a very pretty girl, very cute baby girl, you know, and. Um, And she and my mom got special permission from the hospital chief, you know, so that my daughter could go uh, me on wheelchair. Of course, uh, we went to the children's ward, and she gave every little kid a pack of goodie bag, and she spoke to every little kid, and she went, "Hope you get well soon. Please get better. I'm your friend." And this is for you, you know. So it was such a sweet moment, and I was in tears because you know I miss that girl. I want that girl back, you know. But however, when I had my fifth spell surgery, she wrote this poem, and my daughter is really good. She started poem writing when she was like four years old. She would say words out; it would just flow to her, and I would write it down. I actually got a book with her poems, you know. And this one, she got my mom to help her. So. This is a poem my princess wrote for me after my fifth skull surgery. I was so impressed. This is why butterflies are symbolic to me, and why my metamorphosis art gallery has the logo of a butterfly, and why everything I do has a butterfly, and why uh, I name my gallery metamorphosis. It's because of this poem. To me, 
To my princess, Bianca Ishpikansa, I am an ugly caterpillar transformed into a beautiful butterfly. Enjoy her poem. Return on the 4th October 2007. You must be the girl of my dreams. Well, let's get on. Your eyes glow like fire. Your heart beats like a crystal and a precious emerald hugging together. The whole of you looks like a caterpillar transforming into a beautiful butterfly. Mom, you are so beautiful. She wrote this when she was five years old, you know? So that changed my life and that made me realize how strong I have to be for her each time she walks into the ward to be with me. I don't want to be sitting and sleeping like all other patients on the bed and oh, it's painful, you know, and moaning and drowning. I wanted it to be alive. So every morning I would exercise, you know, the patients and doctors and nurses would see me exercising and stretching despite all the bandages around me, you know, having to wheel myself around because I couldn't walk, you know, and that inspired a lot of people. And the doctor, I remember my doctor telling me, if we had more patients like you, our job would be so easy, mm. you know? Because I was motivated and that's where my motivation comes in. That's where my self-confidence comes in. That's where my tolerance comes in, you know? So with all that said, I I just wanted to be someone who doesn't just inspire my daughter or me. You know, when I look at my reflection in the mirror, I want to be proud of who I'm looking at. You know, I want to smile and say, I love you because you are awesome. And I can do that because since pandemic, pandemic has taught me to appreciate myself. You know, so these are all the little things that are important to me because my daughter is my strength. I I wish she could hear what I, I have to say, you know. Um, and this is something I, I wrote for my daughter. You know, if you allow me to share. Um, the few things I wish for my daughter is, Teresa, I wish that she's always happy, that she's always healthy, you know, and she always believes in her self-respect, her dignity and her principles, you know. And when someone tells her she cannot do something, I want her to look back at her abilities and not be pushed into a corner feeling awkward or feeling like, oh, I'm not worth it. I want her to show those people who say she can't do something, hey, I can do this. So I never want her to lose her self-confidence. I never want her to be demotivated. I never wanted I never wanted to not have tolerance. So all the things I apply to me. I, I not just want my daughter to you know feel all that power. I want everybody around the world to know that they cannot be bullied, they cannot be abused because everybody deserves to be treated with respect. Yeah. So the next question, and and I know you've you've um, we've discussed this before about inspiration. Who or what inspires you, Tia? <laughs> you're a great inspiration for many who will be listening. But, um, yeah. Okay. What inspires me 
Do you want to inspire me or what inspires me first? Either or, you answer it how you want. <laughs> okay, one. I think I would go not to be too egoistical here. I would go with what inspires me or what symbolizes, you know, that inspiration to me. Mm-hmm. Um, enthusiasm, optimism, mm-hmm. and determination. Mm-hmm. Having all these qualities are not just qualities, they are goals that I want to achieve in life. Mm-hmm. All right? Because many people have always said, oh, you can't do this, you can't do this, you are a, you are a person carrying a disabled card, you can't do this, just stay home, you know, and, and enjoy what the government gives you. I said, no, you know, I'm enthusiastic enough to go out there, put my work out there. I don't want to be sitting, you know, at home doing nothing, right? So, for me, um, my mindset mm-hmm. is something I focus on daily. Mm-hmm. And I, I empower myself with it. Enthusiasm for me is a magical word, all right? Because the word means keen interest, as it comes from within my soul. Whatever I do is from a core soul with passion. Whatever I do, even if I talk to you, I want to talk to you with passion. Mm-hmm. I want you to feel what I'm saying, you know? So. Um, and for me, it exists because, like I said, it comes from the core. And it, it's an inspiration, you know, that is within me. And it helps me to look beyond. It helps me look forward to, you know, fulfilling goals set for the day. It helps me fill up moments when I feel awkward or when I feel blank. Because that happens to me all the time. Sometimes I'll just be staring into space because, you know, I have a brain fog, you know. So uh, for me, it helps me balance the boredom. You know, it helps me balance the boredom. Enthusiasm for me is such a great asset to possess because it rewards me with greater sense of accomplishment. When I'm enthusiastic, it helps me a great deal. It builds my self-confidence. It raises my morals. It builds my loyalty towards people. And it's priceless. You know, it can be very contagious as well. I acquire this enthusiasm assess because I choose to treat it like the soul. Like like I said earlier, when I plant a seed, I want to see it, you know, growing beautifully. So I plant that same seed for myself. You know, I have a friend, you know, Susie Soon, she she's like a guardian angel to me because she always tells me the numerological numbers, what works for me, what doesn't. You know, she always reminds me, plant the right seed. Because when you plant the right seed, you are planting it in abundance for everybody out there. You know, so thank you, Susie. You know, so for me, it's a persistent accomplishment. And uh, this is where, you know, I would come to who inspires me? <laughs> you know the song by Beyonce? Me, myself, and I. So when I look into the mirror, I see a reflection of myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I see a reflection of myself and I ask myself, who are you? What are you? Do I love the person I'm looking at? And if my answer is no, then I have to work on myself. Because nobody else is going to do that for me. But when I look into the mirror and I smile and say like, hmm, I love myself because I'm super, you know, I'm powerful. 
I am this, I am that, I am presence. I am is such a word I use all the time. You know, I believe in that I am. I listen to a lot of I am affirmations. So if anyone is an inspiration to me, is me. Because I don't expect anybody else, you know, to, to regard me the way I regard myself. People come and go. But this me remains in my body 24 hours, 365 days of the year. You know, so if I do anything, I have to do it for me. You know, so with that said, and the other person who has who has inspired me is my mom. If my mom was alive, I would be doing so many things with her. I'd be learning so many things with her. But she's gone. So you know, I'm glad that she left before pandemic because she's in a much safer, better place. We are all still suffering here going through the pandemic. You know, so. Everyone who's left their soul, everyone who's in a, you know, in, in heaven or wherever you call your safe place, you know, you are in a better place than most of us are. So, so yeah, that would be the person who inspires me too. So with that, Teresa, you know, I mold myself because it's like a paradigm shift. You know, I charge myself with every power I want to. Because only I can empower me with all that I want to be. Mm. So with that said, I hope it, I don't sound too egoistical here, mm. but I do pay a lot of attention to myself because, as I said earlier, the minute I wake up, I give myself a hug and I say I love me. So I value myself and I put a lot of it into myself. Yeah, and that's very important. And it's um, you know, one thing. A lot of listeners, I hope you do hear the message there in self-care, you know, um, ensuring that you matter as well, because we often hear about many people giving back to others and they actually forget they matter as well. So it's a very, very powerful um, share there, Tia. I do have a question for you. Uh, What advice would you give someone who is wanting to pursue their goals or their dreams? Oh, this is going to be a lengthy one though. <laughs> okay, my first advice is we all go through challenges in life. You know, life is not easy. To be able to achieve your goals and dreams, you know, is amazing because everyone like me, you know, we go through battles, we battle our inner demons from time to time. I know I'm still doing it. You know, uh, some are vicious. And like I said earlier, what makes me human? You know, this is a question I've asked myself so many. And I know not many people think about this question. What makes me human? You know, so for me to be a better human, um, it's not lowering myself to another person's level or comparing myself to another person's abilities because everybody is special. Everybody has their own abilities. Everybody has their own uniqueness, you know, and I don't want to compare myself to somebody else. If I'm being a soul, I don't want to compare myself to another person who's being so because their soul is based on what they learn and what they do. I do my soul based on my skin sensitivity and I want people with sensitive skin to also, you know, enjoy the benefits of having better skin. So, you know, everybody is different, you know, so nevertheless, um, moving forward, you know, life has taught me different things. Um, life has got so many directions and twists. And um, a, a one small incident changed my life. 
you know like i said earlier if your friend is drunk don't drive stay put get somebody else to drive or take the cab home mm-hmm. don't get into a drunk driver's car because you put your life in jeopardy mm-hmm. um i would also say don't give up in your dreams believe in the word magic believe in yourself because you know when you put value to yourself uh, it's it's so important i know many of us don't value ourselves you know it's so important to recognize the word value because life is so much easier when you acknowledge it and when you make plans and you set goals decisions honor them understanding your values can really help So take time to understand the real priorities in your life mm-hmm. and um be able to determine the best direction for you and your life goals. Mm-hmm. Values are shaky sometimes, values can be stable sometimes. It's again how you perceive and how you pursue them. Uh don't limit yourself to boundaries because you know don't don't say no to everything. Life is short. You know, like when life when 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 life gives you lemon, make a lemonade. Don't don't throw it into the bin because it's sour. You know, so life changes constantly. Nothing stays the same. Everything evolves. Life has evolved tremendously. Technology has evolved. You know, when you when you when you change and you start a new job. You know, when you get married and you go into a relationship. When you know when you deal with pandemic. all these are values you need to put into your into your life you know and that's and that is why keeping in touch with your values is important you know um so i would also give this advice to someone mm-hmm. um when you define your personal values you discover what is truly expected of you mm-hmm. right a good way to start to do this is to look back on your own life identify what you felt if you feel good continue it if you feel bad find ways to change that because at the end of the day you want to feel good about yourself you want to feel good about every little thing you do you know make good choices in life you know uh those are your defining moments that adds value to your life and um identify times when you felt most satisfied most fulfilling those are things you need to write down so that you can look at them one day if things goes wrong you can look in as a guide and you can you know use that to help your life so um i would also say uh, you know um just at the end of the day be yourself don't try to be someone you're not because you know life is short believe believe in yourself because when you stop believing in yourself and you look at life as a failure that's when everything fails but when you look at life as a blessing when you look life as an opportunity and when you can remember that you can be anything you want to be as long as you work hard and you believe in yourself believe is another magical word you know so have faith in yourself believe in yourself move forward go forward don't look back let go and just embrace all the new things in life beautiful powerful share dear tia i just heard you touch on 
another little venture that you've started and and you've shared a bit with me and you've you spoke about your soap business and, and this is quite a unique uh, venture that you've started and you infuse them with crystals so would you like to share a little bit about that to you yes um in 2021 i was in a networking um, zoom session mm-hmm. and the admin of the group said Tia, you will be the next person to talk about you know what you have and i was going to talk about my art but no one's really interested in art at the moment he said oh, Tia, you know we want you to talk about your plants but then i realized the plants is not really my business the mm. plant is just something that's sustaining me during pandemic but occasionally i would sell one or two plants because i do have some unique plants in my garden like chocolate mint apple mint you know, um, a, a plant that actually heals my lung, you know, from phlegm and stuff like that, called Mexican borage. So I've got a lot of unique herb plants in my garden. Occasionally, I sell them. So this group made me think about what Tia can sell. Mm-hmm. What is Tia's business? It made me ponder. It made me go deep and think. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized I don't really have anything except my art to sell and my art to talk about. But art is not selling for me at the moment because I lost my exhibition platform when pandemic hit because that was my bread and butter, mm-hmm. right? So, and I realized I spent so much time on social media following so many people, putting their stories up on IG, but none of them did the same thing for me. I'm like, what the hell am I wasting my time, you know, supporting someone else when no one is supporting me? So I realized IG took three, four hours of my time daily and I started investing that three or four hours into researching into what I can do. I started writing, I started researching my family background because I come from a very interesting family background actually, you know, and then I'm like, you know what, not using Instagram and Facebook for three months, I found a new love. Mm. I realized with pandemic, I can't go out and get a lot of things. So I wanted to DIY, do it yourself. So I started making my own lip balm. I started making my own soaps. But how do I do it? I don't have the budget. I don't have money, you know, because I lost all my money pandemic, whatever money I had saved to go to India, I was supposed to go to India for a community building. But I didn't get to do that because, you know, we were not allowed to travel. Mm-hmm. So, oh, what do I do? So I started researching on soap making on, uh, on uh, YouTube. And I came across this lady called Ali from Australia. And she really goes into detail about soap making. She gives all the math, how to calculate, how to do this, how to do that. And I found it very interesting. So I started looking at I would spend my whole day on YouTube for like six, seven hours watching soap videos. And I did that for like from November to December for like whole one or two months. My whole playlist was no longer movies or cartoons or you know horror movies or dark documentaries, but it was soap, soap design. And I'm like, you know what? This looks like my art. I can't do art anymore, right? But I can do soap. So I made my first cold press soap. Mm-hmm. I didn't have it. I had some oils in my kitchen, but I had to buy a couple more things. So mm-hmm. the money I had saved to go to India, 
I decided to take that money out, shoestring budget, I bought a few things, I made a soap, and but then I realized the cold press process, the soap takes about six to eight weeks to cure. And six to eight weeks is a long wait before I can sell the soap. Right? So in the meantime, I started making my own eye gel, my own lip balm, and it was a very interesting journey. And at the same time, I was going into my garden and I was, you know, plucking my lady's fingers, my okra, and my green and my spinach and my, you know, food. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I can make this soap. So I started doing more research and I got into melt and pour. Mm-hmm. And then I realized with melt and pour, it's quicker because melt and pour all the whole process has already been done for you. You mm-hmm. get a block. You chop it up, you melt it, you pour it, you design it, you add your additives, whatever you want to add to it. It is the same process as cold press, but you don't go through that six, eight weeks process of waiting. But now you make a soap and within two days, your soap is ready to be sold. So I'm like, you know what? Valentine's Day is coming. So January 1st, uh, on the count of, uh, countdown of New Year, I told myself, hmm, shoe soap business. I'm going to give this a trial. I was skeptical. I was taking a huge risk because I don't know if it was going to work for me. But you know what? No venture, no gain, right? So I got into it. I did this. I bought some items. And my and right here, I would like to thank a few people who's been on my journey. Okay. Um, I must thank one person seriously thank uh, two people here one is Mr. Mutukumaran alright because without him I wouldn't have been able to see my daughter and got that TV show alright then uh, Charles Charles who actually took no payment from me alright Mahendra his name is from um, Mount Abu he actually took me to my mom's uh, last rites took me up to Rishika Mountain and we became good friends you know and of course um, I want to thank my friend Rajan who's been a friend of mine since I was 14 years old you know he's been on my journey since I was 14 the fact I became an instructor a fitness instructor was because of him I'm so thankful to his family because that was always my second family his wife Corina his children and Rajan himself they were part of my life's journey you know and then when I started my soap journey I must thank my sister and brother-in-law because for my birthday they sent me 200 Malaysian ringgit Mm. so with that 200 ringgit it was an investment into my soap Mm. and he gave me the first review he says sister I've used your soap and I love it I don't even want to come out of the toilet I love your soap because I feel so relaxed Mm. you know and then I have to thank a friend of mine in school called Amajit and my friend Cynthia and my friends Sumatra, um, and um, and all the people who have supported my soul journey, even a friend of mine, Lata, who's been my regular customer, you know, she's got soul for all her family. So thank you, thank you, thank you all so much for your support, for believing in my product, for giving me amazing reviews. I'm still here to learn and improve because this is such a new journey I've embarked myself on. You know, I'm still finding ways to improve what I do. So with that, you know, I I am so happy I got into soap making 
because the whole of 2020-2021, I didn't have a single income. I was struggling. I was always wondering how to pay my rent. And occasionally, my ex-husband, I must thank him because, you know, we're still friends. You know, he would sometimes put some people into me, you know, and that would support me. So I'm thankful to all these people who, who've been there for me. You know, whether they whether they don't tell me much, they don't you know, tell me enough, Tia, you know, thinking about you or whatever, but they are there. You know, they are supporting me through the back and I'm so grateful. And I'm so thankful to them for being in my life. You know, because without them, I don't know where I would be. Because pandemic really took a toll on me because I was dying of cancer with rheumatoid arthritis. You know, then of course my friend Susie, the numerologist, she introduced me to something called Soul Life, which is a supplement I took, and that helped me with cancer with my cough. I was that I was I had COVID last year, you know, but I am free of all illnesses right now, you know, and also my friend Kenny Poo and Kua who you know who. Who supported me in whatever I did, you know. So thank you, all you lovely people. You're all amazing souls. I love you all so much, you know. So with that said, I have started this soap business, you know. And one particular person, Amajit, Amajit, I love you and your husband, Jaswan. Thank you, thank you so much. And also Susie and David from Epo, you know, you've been amazing in my life, you know, supporting me all the time. So. My soap journey has started. So from not having any income for two years, just Valentine's Day, just Valentine's Day in three work in three weeks. Not only I sold all my hand cleansing gel. I made limited editions, like twenty five of each. All my hand cleansing gel is gone. All my roll essential oil roll ons is. Uh, I've only got sixteen uh, left out of twenty five, but that is still selling. I've made 150 soaps. I sold 67 soaps to date. Okay, and um, my lip balm. I've made a new batch because I sold all the 25 lip balms I made. So it's been a good income for me, you know. And I want to thank one last person. The name is Niora Putri. She's the lady who's doing all my printing and all my labels, you know. And guess what she said, Tia, and she's the same lady who does all my fridge magnets, my art merchandise. She said, Tia, I'm not taking any payment from you. I want to support your first soap journey. You know, and she she's got a mom who suffers from Alzheimer's. She's got her work to do. You know, but she's still out there. Working with me every day, changing this, changing that. So you know, I, I thank you all so much. I am so humble and I'm so grateful with all these beautiful souls in my life. Mm. Thank you. And universe has blessed me with this beautiful people. And I know there's so many other people out there. If I've not mentioned you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know who you are. Mm. It's beautiful. It just goes to show their kindness still exists in this world, and there are still beautiful people here with um, the most generous hearts. So, just in conclusion, Tia, um, where to from here with you? I know your soap business is, is is doing very well. I mean, it's something that you know you've researched and and you put a lot of hard work into, and you share all your Your new 
you know, ideas in that with me and it's exciting being on this journey and seeing this all evolve and, and where, where you're going with it. Is there any last comments um, that you would like to share? Um, yes, um, thank you so much, Teresa. Um, I just want to thank everybody, especially you, you know, for being my soul sister and for being such a beautiful friend. I know I met you at Club House. I was, our friendship is not long, you know, but our friendship has existed, you know, on Club House. And uh, I just want to let you know that I think your book is amazing. What I would love to see is for your book to actually be. I'm so emotional it's, it's because a lot of what you wrote I can reflect because I've been there myself with all the struggles and the abuse and the abandonment I've been there you know I would really love for your book to be turned into a movie a Hallmark movie or something you know because I think I would love to see a movie because I would remember it better you know and, uh, so yeah, anyone out there who's a TV producer, please make this oh. book into a movie. Seriously, it's amazing. But yes, uh, for me, I know I said earlier on, I started this soap business with a shoestring budget. Because any kind souls out there, you know, even in Malaysia, if you had an extra rack or an extra something, if you're not using it, uh, digital scale or whatever it is you think I could use for my business, Please, you know, contact me and uh, let me know. And uh, I don't mind paying the shipping. Or if you're happy to be driving past my state, if you want to drop it off, please. I welcome money contributions because I'm really passionate about what I do. I want to be able to make enough soap so I can go and, you know, give it to the orphanage. You know, I can just give away soap because I've made. Because once upon a time, Teresa, I used to have an amazing bank balance. People used to, my, my family, I was the banker of the house, but I don't have that status anymore. I want to have that financial freedom. And the only way I can start is, like I thanked a few people earlier, they are still on my journey. They're still supporting my soap business, you know, and um, and another friend of mine, Audrey, as well, you know, she's been an amazing friend, always being a friend I talked to when I needed a friend to talk to. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, my journey from here, Teresa, would be uh, I, I'm planning to start a crowdfunding. So if any of you out there who knows an amazing platform, you know, where there's so many scammers out there, that's how I lost my IG account. I recently lost my IG account through something called GoFundMe. Somebody claimed they were from GoFundMe and they saw my, 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 my art journey. They wanted to support me and they took my Instagram by asking me, you know, I was stupid. I should have asked more questions, but you know, sometimes when you're desperate, you do stupid things, you know? So don't blindly trust people who say, get credentials, get testimonies, you know, study them before you you, know, you jump into it like I did. So I lost my IG account, I lost all my artwork. And with that, you know, I, I hope, um, through a crowdfunding, I'll be able to start the soap business because there are lots of things I still need to get, you know, and uh, I want to bring my art gallery back to make it alive as well. So with that said, Teresa, you know, um, I would like to again thank you for this beautiful opportunity you've given me to share my journey and I hope my story inspires those who are listening. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you.
thank you. So I'd just like to conclude and, and thank thank you everyone for taking the time to listen in today. We really do appreciate you. If you'd like to be a guest on my podcast, please reach out to me via my link or book in a call with me. We love to support all our guests on here, so please lean in and support them too. If you want to contact um, Tia, obviously, you know, um, I will put her details and a link in, in, in the description and where you can contact her as well, or else you can follow them on social media platforms and audio platforms. And, and also, you've heard me talk about a link. If you've heard about the Hello LLC briefcase and you want to know a bit more, please check out my link. And if you have any further questions, please reach out to me. And I'd just like to conclude here and say thank you once again, Tia, for sharing such powerful wisdom, sharing so much of your heart and your story with us all. And I know you'll be ending with a very special final blessing um, as we conclude this podcast. Namaste, Teresa. Thank you so much for this final chapter of the podcast with you and giving me the privilege to share something that's extremely special to me that has been part of my healing journey. And I'm so thankful to my mom who introduced me to Tibetan healing role. And along with that, I found Angel Tuning Fox. And uh, today, uh, I get to share this with you. So for all you listeners out there, we are all going through this pandemic. A lot of us need healing, spiritual healing, purification healing. So if I would just humbly request for all you listeners out there to just sit down comfortably take a deep breath as you gently close your eyes and let me take you on my healing journey which i do every night as part of my gratitude meditation with the special buddhist mantra or what i call the medicine buddhist mantra i'm not a buddhist but i love this mantra so much because it has been part of my healing journey. this mantra about 108 times while I do my gratitude meditation as I send uh, my gratitude energy out to all those who are in my circle near far around me to myself because we all need healing right now and I hope what I've shared with you today 
has allowed you to feel that vibration and this is truly a very powerful mantra that I recite and I love and it's been part of my healing journey. Once again, Tiyata Om Biganze Biganze Maha Biganze Raza Samungati Soha Biganze means eliminating pain Maha Biganze means great eliminating of pain one explanation of the meaning of the first Biganze is that it refers to eliminating pain of true suffering, not just of disease, but of all problems. And it also heals physical illnesses and the purification of negative karma. Thank you so much again for listening. As you gently open your eyes, I will now pass this over to Teresa. Thank you so much, Teresa. Namaste to all. Thank you so much, Teresa. And namaste to you and to all listening. Stay safe believe in yourself and be good to yourself. Namaste. Mm-hmm.